Amen. Amen. Okay, beginning in chapter 15, verse 1, Jesus is talking in verse 1 to tax collectors, and it says, and to other notorious sinners. They weren't just little sinners. They weren't little sinnies. They were big sinnies. These were people that were notorious for their sin, okay? They often came to listen to Jesus teach. They, they, they came to hear him teach. Teaching's a good thing. And in verse 2 it says, This made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such despicable people, even eating with them. So Jesus used this illustration. He says, If you had a hundred sheep and one of them strayed away and was lost in the wilderness, wouldn't you leave the ninety-nine others to go and search for the one until you found it? And then you would joyfully carry it home on your shoulders. When you arrived, you would call together your friends and your neighbors to rejoice with you because your lost sheep was found. In the same way, heaven will be happier over one lost sitter who returns to God. Notice returns. He was there before. Hello. Who returns to God. Then over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. I want to talk to you about loss. If you could sum up all of the phobias, and there are thousands listed. There actually, there's there's a book, there's an American uh, dictionary of of psychology of phobias, and it's it's just a brick, man. And there's thousands and thousands and thousands of phobias. If you could sum them all up to just one, what would that word be? In fact, if you just use one word to describe them all, what would it be for you? Fear, and fear of what? I would, I would submit to you this morning, it's fear of loss. Just, just maybe stretch with me in your heart and your mind for just a second and think about it. Everything we really fear boils down to losing something. It boils down to losing something. It's all about loss. That kind of helps us with our text because Jesus is talking about the one that's lost out of the 99. Now he says, he's out of the 100. He says to uh, to the people listening, how many, if you, in other words, if one of you owned 100 sheep, but lost one. So I want to turn this around because many times we look at this verse and we say, okay, um, I might be the one person lost and then there's 99 others found. But really Jesus is speaking in the context of saying, what if one person had one area of their life in other words, one area of their life that wasn't found. Let me submit to you this morning, and I want to say this very, very strongly, that not all of you belongs to Jesus yet. Just, just let that simmer. Not all of you belongs to Jesus. You are not, there's no one in this room that's 100%. And if you were, you'd be dead in heaven. So, so this morning you could have something in your life that's still lost and not found. Even though by grace you're saved, I'm not questioning your salvation. I'm just saying there are areas of your life that are yet unsubmitted. There are areas of your life that still can be given to God as long as you live. And how many of you know that many times we hold back in those areas and those are the same areas where we end up having fear? Can I teach and illustrate how that works? Um, perhaps you have your bulletins with you today. If you flip on the back, there's a place to take notes. Loss boils down to two very, very operative questions. Here's, here's the first thing. 
What I fear losing, right? What I fear losing may be what I value the most. So what do I value the most? Ironically, it could be the same thing that you fear to lose. So knowing what you fear sometimes isn't, isn't such a bad thing. Sometimes you just got to own it. You just got to. Now, now for me, I, I, I value my kids the most. I, I, I value my, my marriage the most, even really more than my ministry. The, my ministry, it really matters a lot to me. But if I, but if I lost my kids in my marriage, I'd be sunk. And so you, you'll probably hear me say a lot of things that have to do with that potential of loss in that area. And so if I'll just own up what I might fear, I'll see in the end that I can see a good thing, and that is that this is an area of value. Could you just write down in your notes, what is it that you value the most? What is it that you value the most? For me, it's my kids, my marriage, and, and there are no wrong or right answers. Just write it down, please. Just do the math here, or keep a mental note. Here's the second one. Not only do we see by loss what we value the most, but also it shows us where we may trust God the least. Are you catching this? And not only is this an area where I value the most in my life, but it's also an area where I may not trust God. I may be tempted to trust God the least. They say that, they say that babies, when they're born, are born with just two uh, hardwired fears, and that is fear of loud noises, and some of you are still afraid of that. I mean, it's just, I, I kind of am too a little bit. And then fear of being dropped or falling. But by the time we become an adult, those fears increase, those phobias increase because the more we begin to fall in love with the things and, and different things around us, the more we fear losing those things. And what I want to teach you this morning is this before we go. Listen very carefully. Because God is omnipresent, nothing is lost. You're just going to have to... It, it, nothing's lost. Nothing, ever, unless you want it to be. You're the only person or part of creation that can keep something lost. Because God is everywhere. He's omnipresent in His creation. Nothing is... You might lose your keys and you might say, okay, uh, God, show me where those keys are. He can show you where those keys are. Here's why. Because He knows where the keys are. Because He's where the keys are. Okay? Now they've got a little, like, remote sense. You ever lose the remote control? They, they've even got a thing now where you can press a button and your remote will speak to you for the TV. And you can go find your remote and find that it's still buried inside the couch where it always is buried inside the couch. But, but, but God knows where the remote is. He knows where the keys are. He knows where, he knows where the 1% that's lost in your life is. You can trust Him with that. And so if you could just remind yourself that when you, when you begin to, to get into that fear dialogue in your mind or in your heads, you begin to say, well, God, what about that one child? What about that one child, God, that I'm really worried about, that right now isn't serving you? What about that one area, that one bill? I don't know if I'm going to be able to pay. But, but, but God, but God, but God, God, I've known you. You've given me the 99% of blessings, but God, there's just still one area. There's just still one area that's lost, and God, what will I do? God knows that you value that, but God also wants you to know that you may not be trusting Him for where it's at. Now, you might be like me. When something gets lost, you, you, just, you just go nuts. 
And I, man, if, if, if the littlest thing, and, and, and the first thing in the dialogue in my head I say to myself is, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? I put, I should put the keys where the keys go. I should put the coats where the coats go. I should put the wallet where the wallet goes. Right? There should be a place for everything. I walk into some of your garages and you guys, you know, the, everything goes back in its right place. The tool, right tool for the right job and it goes where? Back in the, and even some of you even got like, you've marked out little places on the pegboard that's the shape of the tool because it should go back. Right? Well, Here's the deal. Uh, all you got to do is have kids and have wives, and you know the tools don't go back. They don't end up back where they should go. And, and so basically, even though I don't put them back where they belong, I blame my wife and my kids whenever my tools are not where they're supposed to be. It's just a perfect opportunity to, you know, that's why I got married and everything. That's crazy. But God knows where all that stuff is. God knows where that child is. God knows where that family member is. God knows how, how the situation's going to be. God knows. Nothing is, nothing is truly lost in God's eyes unless we want it to be. Let, let me go a little bit farther here, okay? For, for the Catholics, when they lose something, they pray to a saint. It's it, uh, Saint Anthony. Okay. Now, they also have a patron saint for lost causes. And that's St. Jude. And many people prayed to that saint for me for years because they just, but how many of you know, we don't, we don't need to pray to a saint. Now, let me tell you a little bit about St. Anthony. You see, he, he was spirit filled. Truly. And, and it's something he did that was remarkable on the day that his father's superior was being ordained, they didn't do the service order correct. And so what happened was, is they had nobody to preach that day. And so St. Anthony got up out of the pews, went to the front with no notes, no Bible, and just began to preach. He was known for being, uh, being spirit-filled. In, in, in other words, the audiences would say, he would say whatever the Holy Spirit would speak through his mouth. Pretty awesome. That was a bigger deal than what happened one day. You see, one day at church, he was preaching, and they found that one of the guitars was missing. Back then, they called them psalteries. Okay, they were, they were just kind of like really big harps, okay? I, I get into guitars, but not so much harps, okay? But, it, but anyway, the psaltery was gone, and no one knew where it was at. Well, St. Anthony began to pray, God, show us where it's at. because And this was his prayer. He says, God, you're everywhere, so you know where this is. God, you know where my child is. God, you know where my next job is. God, you know where I'll be after I die. God, nothing is lost with you. Could you say that with me very politely? Nothing is lost with you, God. Nothing. He began to pray. Come to find out someone had, had taken the guitar. How many of you know that happens at church? Cymbals, guitar. Every church I've pastored at, somebody's taken some of the musical equipment. Then you go down to the pawn shop, you find it, okay? But anyway, someone had taken it, and an angel had appeared to this guy and said, you better give it back. So he brought it back to the, to the church, and, and lo and behold, after that, uh, Anthony, when, when he died, became Saint Anthony, and everybody said, well, you've got to pray to this patron saint, because he's the one that makes sure things that are lost come back. Uh, no, who was the one that made sure something was lost came back in that story? I think, I think if Anthony were here today, he'd say, you're all saints, 
sanctified within Christ. And, and, and all of us can pray to the one mediator between God and man. His name is Jesus. We can pray to the one good shepherd who makes sure that the one sheep that is lost is found. Hello. God knows where everything's at. God knows where everything's at. He even knows where your health is at. You fear, you fear losing your health? How about, how about your youth? You fear getting old? He, he, he knows where your health and your youth is at. He knows, he knows where it's all at. Nothing is lost with God. Can I go a little bit further? This is going to get a little bit deep, and then we'll close. Okay. Jesus is talking in our text here, and he says, How many of you, having lost just one sheep, would go after that sheep? Everybody would say, yeah, you know, that's a pretty important deal. I want to I take you a little bit deeper into the text here because with Jewish ears, you have to understand the culture of the people that are hearing it. Now, I don't know if any of you in here are shepherds, all right, but some of you might have some sheep. Some of you are farmers, okay? You've got to hear this with shepherd ears. You see, what a shepherd would do when he, when he would lose a sheep is he'd go after it. Now, the sheep doesn't find the shepherd, the shepherd finds, the shepherd finds what? Okay, we say things wrong even in Christianity. We say, I found God in 1930. No, you didn't. God found you. you. You didn't find God. God found you. And he's continually finding more and more who you really are meant to be and who you were really designed to be within himself, within Christ. And so you didn't find God. God found you. So the shepherd goes after the sheep. What does the sheep do in the story? Absolutely nothing. But is that what we do when we're afraid? No. The first thing that comes to our mind is, is I've got to do something right now. I'm lost. Something's not right. Something's not in order. I, I, it, it's, it's all dependent upon me, and if I don't do something, it won't, it, it, won't, it, will, it won't ever change. And what God wants you to know this morning is, is be a sheep. You don't have to be the shepherd. In fact, you stink at it. You're not the shepherd. You're the sheep. What does the sheep do? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So the shepherd goes after the sheep, and the Bible says that when the shepherd finds him, he rejoices. And the word here in the text is, he carries the sheep back. Here's where it gets powerful. Watch this. This is called the shepherd's carry. The sheep doesn't walk back with the shepherd. Listen carefully. The sheep is carried back. Now, the bigger you get, especially as a man, the more you don't want to be lifted or carried. Don't pick me up. Don't pick, I don't care how. Yeah, you're strong. Don't pick me in the air. Okay? In fact, the more you are below six feet, the more a man does not want to be picked up at all. I mean, it's just that never, never do that. Why? Because, hey, I, I can go on my own two feet. I got my own strength. I got my own, you know, I can do it myself. I don't need any help. And, and, and really, spiritually, that's the wrong idea. Spiritually, what God is saying here is, is you don't walk back with the shepherd. The shepherd carries you back. Your carry back. And so this is called the shepherd's carry. Can I go a little bit farther? Think about this for a minute. The high priest in the Old Testament was a picture of Jesus. And one of the things that the high priest would do when he would walk into the holies of holies is he would walk in with an ephod. Say ephod. You can write this for your notes. It's E-P-H-O-D. 
You want to look this kind of stuff up because it's not in the Bible for no reason at all. The Holy Spirit's put it there for a very good reason. You want to understand more about Christ, read the whole Bible. Get inside the, get inside the whole gospel of God. Okay. And so the ephod would not be war. You, you didn't wear the ephod. Listen carefully. That's never listed in the Bible where the priest, and in fact, in, in the NIV, it says it a few times, but that's not a correct translation in Hebrew. In Hebrew, the uh, high priest carried the ephod. Say carried the ephod. The ephod was this, this, uh, breastplate that hung by two gold chains, chains that had 12 stones. Okay, that were set up in rows, and they were they were like rubies. They were really precious stones. And when the light would sh- oh man, I could really preach all this, but we got to go home at some point. Okay, each of these represented the twelve tribes of Israel. In other words, this is the priest's way, the high priest's way of carrying you and I into a place we can't go on our own. So what the high priest would do is he would carry in the ephod. The ephod was connected by watch this, watch this, two gold chains. Now think of the sheep, the shepherds carry, the legs being held. Here's what the the high priest would do. He would hold the ephod like this as he's walking into the holies of holies. And he would say, behold the hand, behold the nail. Behold the hand, behold the... I'll teach you a little bit more on that next Wednesday night. You want to be here for that because I'm going to show you the Hebrew word for that. As he'd walk into the holies of holies, he'd say, behold the hand, I mean, thousands of years before Jesus gave his life on the cross, behold the hand, behold the nail. Behold the hand. What do you think he was talking about? He's talking about Jesus. And so these two gold chains now were strapped across the shoulders. And the shoulders were a picture of strength, strength, strength. Your high priest is strong. Are you? No. That's why Paul said, when I am weak, he is because I'm being carried. I'm carried in. I'm not worn in. I don't walk in with him. I'm carried in with him. Here's the problem. When we're lost, we want to help. We want to, God, I can help you with that. God, I, I, God, I, listen, God, I know you're in pursuit of me and I know you're trying to find me, so I'll try to find you too. Can I, can I talk to you about what's really frustrating for men when our wives get lost in a store? Well, I was just looking for you. And I was 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 looking for you. And we spent two hours looking for each other. If one person would have just stayed still and stopped and waited in one place. Very quickly, my son taught me something. He was five years old. We went to a water park. We went down one of the greatest water slides known to mankind. We came down at the end of that water slide. He went down by himself at five. He was just a trooper, man. He'd come up out of that water, and he couldn't find us, and we couldn't find him for two hours in a water park. Then it began to rain. There was lightning and everything. And here's what my son eventually did. And I'll I'll never forget this because I learned it's a spiritual principle. And if you would, just write it down in your notes. We're almost finished. He found a safe place. And then stopped. And then signaled. He went and found a safe place. He got in where it was safe. He stopped there. And he began to signal. In fact, he signaled very loudly. He began to cry very, very loudly. And that was his signal. 
and a couple, and, and he told me later it was awesome, Dad, because the the lady bodyguards came and or, or lifeguards came and helped us. Lady bodyguards, that's like weird, man. It's, but uh, the, the bodyguards came and, and helped me out, and it was it was pretty cool, you know. But it, what did he do? What he found a safe place. He stopped and he signaled. What do we do when we're afraid? We make it worse. We go chasing. Where are you? Where where is it? Where is it? Where is it? And then what do we do? We go all over the place instead of stopping. Can I just can I just tell you something? We ever go somewhere as a church and one of you get lost? Just stay where you're at, please. We'll come to you. Is is that logical or what? When you get lost or part of your life is lost, it's not lost to God. Let him come to you. Signal him. What do you do? You just cry out. You say, you're my high priest. I'm at a place now where I can't get myself out of. I'm in an area where I'm losing some. I'm at an area where I, I, I admit it, I'm afraid. And I need to be carried out of this area. I can't get out by myself. And so what the high priest would do is he would wear the ephod and he would carry it in. And the gold chains represented the shepherd's carry. And what does the shepherd's carry? It's God's love for you. And that's what the Bible says, that perfect love drives out all fear. Perfect love drives out all fear. doesn't say that it gives you the power to do it. You, what is scarier for the devil? Telling him on daddy and daddy showing up? You know, my Bible says the battle belongs to the Lord. You know, if we'll just stop fretting, stop pacing, stop going back and forth. What do I do next? What do I? And if we'll just say, I'm going to stop where I'm at right here, right now. And I'm going to let God be the shepherd and I'll be the sheep. I'm going to submit this area, this situation to him. I'm going to let him carry me in to the place I can't go on my own. And in that place, nothing is lost. Everything is found. Amen? Would you take what you've written, or perhaps the mental note that you have right now, maybe it's in your heart, and you say, you know what, here's an area where I guess that is a value. That's something I value very... Maybe it's, maybe it's a relationship, a friendship. Maybe it's this church. And would you take that same area, and would you, would you begin to maybe own it a little and say, you know what? I guess I gotta admit, that's the same area that I fear lost, that I that I may be tempted to trust God the least. Would you just take that right now? Would you just begin to say, God, nothing's lost with you. Nothing's lost with you. Could we just stand right now and as we close, could we give those things to the Good Shepherd? You don't have to walk back with the shepherd. You don't have to try to find the shepherd. Believe it or not, the shepherd's in pursuit of you. And he loves you so much, he's waiting for the signal. Will you just stop? Stop worrying. Stop the anxiety. Stop the fretting. Stop the wringing of your hands. What am I going to do? How am I going to handle this now? Would you just stop? And in a safe place called His presence, signal heaven.